When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We welcome in college football insider Brad Edwards. Can watch us as we are on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Also on Twitter, ESPN Lincoln, Facebook and Twitter, and the Hale Varsity Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio, at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter. Brad, it's, it's like you're sitting across the table from me here, uh, circa 2014, Nebraska, Miami. How you doing, man? Good to see you. Uh, yeah. Uh, good to see you too. That's been that long since I saw you. I guess uh, in, in person. person. So, yeah. <laughs> lucky for but you. Face to face. Yeah. <laughs> lucky for you, right? Is that, is that lucky for me? Yeah. <laughs> I get, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> hey. I tell you what. I wish. Uh, I wish I had had gotten to see you more recently because I would have liked to have been to a couple of College World Series, but. That's another story. No, absolutely. We'll just have to uh, figure you out uh, to get you down to, well, whatever it's called now. But downtown Omaha, uh, uh, the Chuck, I guess, is is what I'll call it. Beers are on us. Yeah. We're we're, going to put a collection plate and start passing it around uh, to our listeners for the good student sections of Georgia and TCU tonight for, for SoFi Stadium. I was complaining about the fact that it's 19 bucks, and I love Modelo beer, as you can see, but it's 19 <laughs> bucks for a, for a tall boy Modelo, and I guess that's just price of doing business at the college football playoff. And there's no tailgating, apparently. Right. So it's not like, it's not like you can get your fill and then go in. It's like if you want anything, you you got to pay their price, so... Uh, hopefully the game is worth it because I don't I don't think a whole lot of the rest of the experience will be. Exactly. We're just kind of shaking our head. L.A.'s fun. It's cool. It's just a weird setup with the middle of rush hour and, oh, yeah, here's a national championship game going on, uh, la-la land time. Let's dive in, Brad, and really put in perspective as you've watched and covered college football what TCU's done this year. The odds are one thing, but it's quite another for them to have a 6-1 and one mark and come from behind victories. They're a talented football team, but they probably even surprised themselves a bit with just uh, coming down to the wire and winning really tight high-scoring ball games. Yeah, obviously there was a very small margin for error for them to get to this point, uh, but they've defied the odds and they've managed to do it. Now, at the same time, you have to ask the question, who's the best team they've beaten to get here? The answer is Michigan mm-hmm. in, in a game in which they won by six um, and they needed two interception returns for touchdown and a fumble recovery from Michigan at the one-yard line going in uh, all of that they needed in order to make that happen. And and now you're talking about going up another notch in competition uh, against Georgia. So is this even realistic to think TCU can win this game? I, I don't think so. Uh, it's a great story. I know there, there are fans all over the country who really want to see, at the very least, they want to see TCU take this 
deep into the fourth quarter, if not win it, because they want to believe that a team like a TCU with that recruiting profile has a chance in today's college football. It has been a long time since a team that has recruited at not a top 20 level Mm -hmm. (laughs) has, has come this close to winning a national championship. I don't think they can do it, but if they can, it gives a lot of people hope. Brad, do you think there's going to be more strain on TCU's offense or their defense? Because it's been talked about all year long for a couple years now, even how good Georgia's defense is, but Georgia's offense might be, flying a little bit under the radar this year, but they've been pretty high flying as well, and it's going to be tough for both sides of the ball. But when you look at that Georgia defense, I said a couple weeks ago, I thought Ohio State might be the only team in the country that could really move the ball on them, and that Ohio State did, but now it's going to be TCU's task to try and do that. So which side of the ball do you think is going to have to work harder to find success against Georgia? Yeah, I think the TCU defense is going to have a bigger challenge, uh, not only because Georgia's passing game is a lot better than people give it credit for. And, and, you know, some of that is because they've got a tight end who no one can match up with. Uh, They also have, uh, I don't know how many, what, eight receivers who are, you know, four or five stars and not a single one of them is a household name. But there's not a weak link there. And, And so, you know, good luck matching up with those guys as well. I mean, your, your best hope is that you can stop Georgia from running the ball because, I mean, to me, that's the biggest concern. I think that's where the mismatch is in this game. It, it's not at the skill. TCU's got plenty of athletes. Maybe not quite at Georgia's level, but, but TCU's better than most in the nation when it comes to athleticism. It's in the trenches where I think Georgia really has the edge. And as much as I, I think that same advantage goes to Georgia when they're on defense – you know, you teams that can throw the ball well can throw on Georgia. And they have the last two games. I mean, not only what Ohio State did, but go back to the SEC championship. And while the, the score wasn't close, LSU's two quarterbacks combined to throw for more than 500 yards in that game. And, and so you can throw on Georgia if you give your quarterback time. And, and so I think there is a formula for TCU to have success on offense. I think it's a lot more of a challenge for TCU's defense to be able to come up with some stops. Brad Edwards is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Brad, I know you can't really argue the size and physicality of Georgia, but in TCU's defense, they were up multiple scores against Michigan for a while in that game, and their defense and offensive line really impressed me in that game. And yes, Michigan is definitely the best team that TCU has played. Is it wrong of me to think that TCU may have a chance tonight? I don't think it's ever wrong to think a team has a chance when you get to this level. I just think TCU's chance depends on Georgia playing a poor game. Mm. You know, that I, that Georgia's going to have to make mistakes they don't typically make. Uh, they're going to need to, uh, wh- whether it's some really big turnovers, and I don't mean just, you know, fumbling a snap and TCU recovers, but something that they can actually get a good return off of or something Georgia does inside of its own twenty. Um, to, to set up TCU. They have to be, you know, momentum-swinging turnovers, uh, big special teams plays. Those are the types of things, you know, maybe even a tipped ball, like, a, you know, just a, a, a ball that should have been picked off, goes through the hands of the DB, into the hands of a receiver. Some sort of break, more than one, is good, like that. It's going to have to go TCU's way, I think, to level the playing field because the, the talent edge is heavily in Georgia's favor. I don't think this Georgia team is as good as last year's. But they're close enough that this is this is just really, really a tall order for TCU. 
Brad Edwards with his college football insider and uh, can catch his work as well with BVM Sports. Brad, you did a column for BVM and you highlighted the SEC dominance. Touch on a little bit of that that con- the content in the story, but it's really been quite a two-decade run by the SEC. Yeah, look, going up back to, you know, two years ago, if, if you know, someone from the South was running their mouth about SEC, SEC, like, you know, most people in other parts of the country would have said, like, it's, it's not the SEC, it's Alabama. Well, so if you're one of those people, what do you say after tonight when Georgia wins two in a row? Do you say it's not the SEC, it's, it's Georgia, or it's just Georgia and Alabama? Because the truth is, if you go back 20 years, it, it's not just Georgia or Alabama, or both, there are five different SEC teams that have won at least one national title in the last 20 years, and all five of them have played in multiple national championship games. People forget about, you know, maybe not as much LSU because they won it just, you know, three years ago. Uh, But Florida with Urban Meyer, that was within the last 20 years. Um, Auburn, 2010 and 2013, was in a couple of national championship games. So, there are other SEC teams that have done it. And look, if we want to go back and just, you know, a, a logical starting point would be the beginning of the BCS slash playoff era, which was 1998. If you go back then, that's 25 years. Then you have to add Tennessee, which had an undefeated season winning the first BCS title. So, you know, the SEC has dominated in, in a way that no other conference ever has. And this is a, it's really a tough comparison to make because, Conference, there used to be so many independent teams that were really good in college football. And, and so the landscape has changed. It's hard to make the comparison, but we haven't seen anything like this before. And just for perspective, over the same span of time, the Big Ten has had a number of good teams, but only one of them has won a national championship, and that's Ohio State. And, and so, you know, and, and by the way, if you go to the rest of the conferences, there's not a single other conference that's had more than two teams win a national title over that span where the SEC's had six different ones do it. It's deep into the pool. It's pretty impressive. Is there a comp for you in college football for this TCU team? I, I look at kind of Georgia Tech, 1990, came out of nowhere, and, and wow, they, they split a title. Uh, Oklahoma in 2000 came out of nowhere. And, and then uh, th- those are the two, and, and, and then also – uh, how, about, how about UCF with Scott Frost? I know it's a, they, they came from G5, so it's a little different. But Well, they, they were uh, a Cotton Bowl team two years prior. Mm-hmm. So is there an Arizona State, 96, Brad? I mean, anybody kind of remind you of this TCU team? You know, maybe. Um, now, I will say I'm, I'm on record saying I think this is the biggest mismatch in a national championship game uh, since Alabama-Notre Dame 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I don't think this TCU team is anything like that Notre Dame team. So, it, you know, they're just a different style of team. They have better athletes than that Notre Dame team did, maybe not as good in the trenches, um, but a different type of team. If, if I'm looking at someone that has, has kind of come from well off the radar to be in this spot, the most recent one might even be that Cam Newton-Auburn team. Now, right. it's a different type of team in that it was totally carried by really by two guys – one on offense and one on defense, that Auburn team was. So uh, maybe it's not the greatest comparison, but if I want to go back and find the last time that a team, um, you know, coming off a very mediocre season, 
made an unexpected run like this to, to get to this stage, it would, it would probably be that Auburn team in mm. 2010. That's a good one. Brad, we're up against a hard break. Can you hang out and we'll do a couple minutes yeah, on the sure. other side? All right. Brad Edwards with us and uh, check his workout uh, with BVM Sports, Hale Varsity Radio. Yeah, I want to get Brad's take on the uh, the looming 12-team playoffs. So I know Brad's still sitting backstage waiting, maybe get your uh, your gears turning on that one. What it means for the SEC, what it means to the rest of college football, Brad, I'm sure I'll have a good answer on that nope. one. We'll also get his take on, uh, on Matt Rule as well, as uh, he has been hitting the ground running from a recruiting standpoint. And I know a lot of eyes are on the – Three three five alignment that Georgia runs, the TCU runs. We'll spend some time with Charlie McBride, uh, legendary Nebraska defensive coordinator. He'll kick off our two with us another Monday with Charlie. Reminder to get buckled up. And uh, when you do so, buckling up saves lives. Using your seatbelt does save lives, prevents injuries. It is properly worn. It can save you. Buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Can send emails in. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Brennan chimes in when it comes to some TCU crossover. O'Shawn Mathis, a former Horned Frog, Omar Manning, a Horned Frog, of course, the Pride of Council Bluffs. Max Dugan, an hour away. More with Brad Edwards next. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hail Varsity, presented by Currency. Quick shout-out to uh, Generation Red for watching us in his living room, streaming the show uh, on the uh, Hail Varsity YouTube channel. College football insider Brad Edwards with us to talk national championship game TCU and Georgia. Numbers to get in at 466-3776 or can find us on Twitter at HVarsity Radio. So 12-team playoff soon down the road. Brad and Elijah, you're anxious to see what that means here moving forward. Well, we were just talking last segment about the, the decade of dominance that's been even greater than that, maybe two decades of dominance from the SEC. And I want to get Brad's take on not only what a 12-team playoff means for that, that dominance of the SEC, but what it also means for you know conferences like the Big Ten and, and schools like Nebraska and just what that move is going to do for college football. Are you excited for the move, Brad, or are you uh, fearing the move a little bit how it could change college football? I don't know that I'm fearing it. I don't know that it's going to be uh, as big of a deal as some of the other moves that we've seen recently, like the, you know, the, the immediate eligibility for transfers, the uh, NIL, like things, things like that, I think are you know going to be more significant as far as the way they change the sport. There, there are two ways to look at this. I mean, one is that the 12 team playoff isn't necessary because it's not going to change who wins it. Uh, hopefully it'll get us more exciting games because this year aside, the playoff games mostly haven't been all that competitive. And, uh, and you know, we, we'd we only had really two good semifinal games prior to this season. We've had a, a few good championship games, but not as many as you would think when you're talking about the top four teams in the nation going head-to-head three times each year. So um, hopefully that will improve. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, I, I think that the big difference is that it's going to change the way that a lot of seasons are perceived, where, you know, there, there would be teams that previously, you know, didn't get into a four-team playoff, that they might get into a 12-team playoff and win their first game and then lose their second game, where the, the net result is the same, which is that you don't make it to the semifinal, 
But I think for the teams that can say at the end of the season that they won a playoff game, it's going to feel like a more successful season. I, I think it's a lot like in basketball where a team makes it to the Sweet 16. You know, they not only got into the tournament, but they won a couple of games. And sure, they didn't come close to winning the national title when all was said and done. But to get to that second weekend, it feels like a good season, depending on who you are, right? And so, you know, I, I think a, a team like a, like a Utah, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, making it to the Rose Bowl is great. But if they won a playoff game and then lost the next one, I, I, it almost feels to me like more of an accomplishment. So I, I think that's the type of thing. And Nebraska, where the program currently is, that's something that you can shoot for. It's just to get into the playoff. And if you can win one game, it feels a heck of a lot better than, let's just say, you went to the, you know, to the, the Citrus Bowl and won that. I mean, it just, it's, uh, it, it's just a different feel. So I, I think that's where the big difference is. Now, to your other question, I'm, I've already given you a really long answer before I get to part two. How is it going to impact the SEC? I, I think, if anything, what we're ultimately going to see from the playoff, I mean, people are going to focus on, okay, now the Pac-12 is going to get in every year, a group of five champions going to get in every year. The biggest thing is, is that more often than not, I think we're going to have two SEC teams in the semifinals, and people have hated that when it's happened in the four-team playoff. Both times it's happened so far, those teams ended up playing each other for the national championship. It was Alabama and Georgia both times. And, and I, I think if you, if you put the three best teams from the SEC in a 12-team format every single year, I'm not saying every time two of them are going to get to the last four, but a lot more often than two in nine years, which is what's happened in this four-team playoff. So um, at the end of the day, I don't think it hurts one bit the, the chance of the SEC winning the national championship. And if anything, I, I think we'll get more, unless a team like an Ohio State gets in the way or a Clemson from what they were just a few years ago, Barring someone like that rising up and, and, and putting up a serious roadblock, I, I think we're going to have more championship games played between SEC teams. Brad, with the new 12-team playoff, do you think, because this is my thought process on it, do you think that the regular season, even though teams could lose one or two games, those losses won't be as consequential if they want to make the playoff? Do you think that's going to enhance people paying attention to the regular season more? Or do you not? Do you think not much is going to change in that regard? I think you can look at both sides of it. I, I think with the very best teams, the end of the regular season becomes less meaningful. And, and this is a great example. I mean, if we if we all ex- assume that the conferences are going to go the way of no more divisions and just the two best teams are going to play each other in the conference championship game, which seems to be where it's going to be headed across the board. If that had been in place this year you would have gone into the Michigan-Ohio State game knowing that they were going to play again in the conference championship game the following weekend. Now, I mean, you talk about taking the air out of a huge game between two undefeated major rivals. I mean, sure, it would still mean something, but, I mean, at that point, it's not even for a division title. Hmm. I mean, the, the game that really matters is the next week on a neutral field. Um, and that would be really disappointing to see that play. It makes you wonder, like, if that does take place, would they think about moving a game like Ohio State-Michigan to the middle of the season as opposed to the end, which just seems crazy. But when you look at the alternative and what could happen if you don't do that, then maybe so. Now, on the other hand, um, the flip side is you're going to get, because you're getting conference champions in automatically, that means 
every division title is significant. And, and so, I mean, let's, let's, you know, close to home here. Let's just talk about Big Ten West. Every game in the last three weeks of November that's impacting the Big Ten West race matters because whoever wins that division is one win away from being in the college football playoff. And so there will be way more teams playing significant games in the last few weeks of the regular season. I think that'll be great for college football. Unfortunately, I think some of the huge late season games won't mean as much as they had previously. Brad, we'll end it with some Nebraska thoughts and and Matt Rule close to rounding out his staff officially. He's gone really young comparatively when kind of joked uh, last week about being the old guy in the room uh, hired Mr. White as we call him here uh, from Syracuse and his 3-3-5 and that's been an impressive defense wherever he's been so there's there's a lot of buzz not only with the hires but also where he took Nebraska's recruiting class that was hovering around 40 to 45 and they finished around number 25 when you look at some different services so he was hitting the ground running, and, and then we all kind of thought, Bubble, what can year one be? We know what they were like in his previous two stops versus the portal and what he's going to inherit, and the schedule's not great but not terrible. It's not like it was in 2019 or 2020. Uh, and you open up with Fleck in Minnesota, then you go see Dion in Boulder, and then you get into some more Big Ten play. But overall, what, what do you project here way too early with Nebraska as far as what a year one can be? I mean, you're in the division that no one can predict. And if you're most of those teams, that's a good thing. Um, but we saw what the Big Ten West was this past season, or I guess this current season. I, I'm already putting the – we got one more game before it's the mm-hmm. past season. Okay, but this season um, – and, and there's no reason to believe that things going to be vastly different. I think I think Nebraska and Wisconsin both, both made really good head coaching hires. Um, but I, I think the division is up for grabs. I mean, long term, if anyone can solidify themselves as a consistent top 20 recruiter – and have a good quarterback on top of that or as part of it, I I think that becomes the the team that can control the division for a few years. But uh, I don't see that being the case for anybody this season. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's wide open. And to some extent, you know, programs with new coaches are a little bit unpredictable um, because it's a new scheme. You don't have the book on them the way that you would someone like P.J. Fleck, who's been in the conference for a while. So um, maybe there is a little bit of an edge for Nebraska. And I know we, we were having this conversation just a few years ago yes, as, we as a new coach came in and like, hey, the, you know, everything. I mean, there was no reason to believe that one wasn't going to work out. So I'm kind of hesitant to, you know, talk too big on this one or, or be too optimistic. But um, I don't know. I mean, the, the division is in a different place. Wisconsin is not what Wisconsin was. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just think it's a lot more wide open. Brad, enjoy the ball game tonight. Thanks for your time today. Always love to get caught up with you. All right. Great talking to you guys, and uh, hopefully we'll get a little bit of competition. That'll be good.